Essential NLP. Practical skills for a great life. Hi, and a very warm welcome from me, your host, Phil Parker, to this podcast on the essential skills of NLP. This is a series of 10 free podcasts introducing the fascinating field of NLP, that's Neuro Linguistic Programming. If you've enjoyed these podcasts, you can get the rest of the entire series directly from the iTunes store. Simply search for me, Phil Parker, or Essential NLP to find it. This is uh, Essential NLP Skills, this is podcast three. For those of you who've been following me so far, you'll know that we've had an introduction to NLP and what we're covering. And we started to look at some very specific techniques and approaches within NLP because this amazing field has got so much to offer you. And the, the two things we looked at to start off in the last podcast, that's number two if you haven't seen it already, was rapport, how to have that, how to make sure you make that work without creeping people out because that's essential. If you're going to do NLP, we want to use these tools effectively, ethically, professionally, and comfortably. And secondly, the concepts of state. So just a very brief reminder, rapport is about how do you increase your chances of having a decent relationship with pretty much everybody you meet how can you communicate to them effectively and make them feel like you're somebody who actually has something to contribute is somebody valuable worthwhile Uh, the states concept is saying we are always in a state Um, we're always in one state of mind or the other the question we need to start to become much more aware of is is the state of mind we're in right now the best possible state we could be in for the job that we're currently doing because the answer is very often no it's not and then the problem becomes how do we change it well we're going to look at some approaches for changing that today the first step of making these changes is to understand a little bit about how the brain works and to do this i need to introduce to you the idea of neuroplasticity which is a really exciting idea in neuroscience it says that what we found is the more you use your brain in a particular way much like training a muscle, the stronger and better developed it becomes. So the more we run a particular pathway, the stronger, quicker and more influential that becomes on all brain function. Neuroplasticity opens up a whole doorway for change. In the old days, they used to think the brain was a bit like an electrical circuit board. When you used it, you set down pathways. Those pathways were set down and burnt into the brain forever. Now they've discovered that's just not the case at all. The brain has this incredible ability to change and learn and to grow in response to how it's used. So if we imagine a synapse, which is a little gap between two nerve cells, a signal comes along, it reaches this gap and it has to jump across the gap. Now, as it jumps across the gap, it could go to one of a number of different nerve cells that will carry on to a different destination. So one destination may be pain, another may be pleasure, another may be happiness, another may be hunger. And the brain decides which one it funnels this signal into. Now, if you find that you constantly jump that gap, that synapse, and end up at the same nerve cell each time, then the brain goes, oh, hold on a minute, we'll keep on using this particular pathway, all the variations we could use, this is the one we seem to be favoring. And as a result, it says, I can make this job easier by moving these nerve cells together so the gap they have to jump is tinier. 
and at the same time all the other nerve cells that are not being triggered they start to move away so you get a physical change in the structure and architecture of the brain this means the next time the signal comes along it's obvious where it's going to go it's going to go along that favored pathway this favored pathway then becomes very fast and it becomes very influential and it starts to connect to all sorts of other parts of the brain what's also fascinating is if you start to change that response so let's say the pathway is uh, you see chocolate and you want to eat it so you see the chocolate it jumps across the synapse to a desire to eat it if you start to change that so you add a new potential pathway which is you see the chocolate and you decide not to eat it and go exercising instead if you run that pathway a number of times then the brain goes well if you're going to use this a lot we'll make that easier and if that old pathway that moved towards eating and desiring chocolate we're not going to run that anymore then we'll just let that fade away and you see a shift a physical shift in that the gap that has to be jumped by that signal gets smaller for the nerve cells that you're now favoring so the chocolate desiring nerve cells move away and the ones that say no I don't want chocolate I'm actually going to exercise move closer to that signal of seeing chocolate as a result the brain is constantly changing and remodeling itself as a result of how we use it problem is of course we are creatures of habit we get very used to doing things and our brains helps that has a shortcut to make this easier for us let's do a little experiment for you I'd like you if you have a cup of tea or coffee nearby pick it up if you have a spoon nearby pick that up too if you don't just imagine but physically grab them as if they were there and just start stirring your tea or coffee as you do that just notice did you start clockwise or anti-clockwise then did you carry on or did you shift every time you stir cups of tea or coffee you'll do it exactly the same way if you imagine you're brushing your teeth in the morning imagine you're holding your toothbrush chances are you'll always hold it in your dominant hand and then you put the toothpaste on and you'll always squeeze the toothpaste in one particular part of the tube and you will always start from one end of the brush head or the other so you either squeeze it away from you or squeeze it towards you and then as you put the toothbrush actually physically now just lift your imaginary toothbrush and put it into your mouth you'll notice you always start in a particular part of your mouth some teeth get the first brushing and then you move somewhere else we are creatures of amazing habit and this is good because it makes things very rapid but it also is problematic if the habits we have are not very good so coming back to the topics we talked about on the last podcast if you're very familiar at getting into certain states then you'll find it easier and easier to trip and trigger those states and sometimes it will really not be very good or appropriate to do that but as a result of neuroplasticity you would have trained yourself into doing that I'm sure some of you listening can recognize that times when 10 20 30 minutes later you go oh, I wish I hadn't done that why did I say that why did I do that well the reason is unfortunately you trained your brain to do it but the good news is the brain doesn't really care which pathways are being activated it just wants to activate the ones that are most commonly activated just trying to help you out so therefore we need to start activating the positive paths the ones that take us into where we want to be more and more and more and more and more so how do we do that well one of the simplest ways to do this is to realize that words and states and neurology are all intimately connected 
talked about this a little bit in the last podcast where I said if someone called John is in love with somebody else and every time they hear John's name it makes them think happy thoughts and then something very unpleasant happens where they see John with somebody else their relationship to the sound of John's name is completely changed what I'd like you to think about is this just for a moment it's a very classic NLP question what happens when I ask you to not think about Elvis Presley juggling 12 purple monkeys as soon as I mention Elvis Presley juggling the 12 purple monkeys. Even though I've asked you to not think about it, guess what you think about it? Yep, there he is, the king of rock and roll juggling his monkeys. And you may immediately squash that image and think of something else. But to understand the question, we have to conjure up that image. We need to get smart about this because classically what people will do is when they use words, they use the wrong kind of words that generate the wrong kind of states. They even do it when they're trying to work out what they want. This is called negative wants. So if you say, what do I want? I want to not be angry. What you actually do with the word angry is you trigger the neurology of anger, which of course makes it easier to feel anger. But people do this all the time. It's one of the most common things I have to work with people on. They so consistently, when they ask themselves, what do I want? They answer with a negative, saying, I don't want this, which neurologically propels them towards getting that. So I can't count the number of times when I ask people, what do you want? They say, I don't want to be stressed. I don't want to be anxious. I don't want to be ill. I don't want to be guilty. I don't want to be jealous. I don't want to be envious. Each time they say it, they're just taking themselves to their mental gym and exercising once again exactly the pathways they don't want to be exercising. You see this a lot again in healthcare. I was asked to work with some uh, brilliant pain consultants uh, who had found that they'd got some clients who had reached the end of the road with medical pain care. They were on strong opiates, the strongest drugs you could have. And they were still in pain. They came to see me and I helped them using NLP and the lightning process to get them off these drugs and to get them pain-free. And they were very intrigued as to how I did that. And they said, can you help us? And I said, yeah, I'm sure there's loads of stuff we can do. And the thing I look at usually, first of all, is people's language. When people came to see the pain consultant, they had a lot of pain. And it wasn't surprising that they spent a lot of time thinking about pain, because if you have pain, of course you do. That unfortunately activates all the wrong neurology. And then they get a letter, and the letter says, Please come to our pain clinic. So they turn up and they park their car in the pain clinic car park. That's the second time it's been mentioned. They go into the pain reception room, number three. The pain receptionist, number four, says, Please take a seat in our pain waiting room, number five, and fill in this form about your pain, six. Then they walk down the corridor to a door that says, Pain consultant, seven. The guy says, hi, I'm your pain consultant. Eight, how are you feeling? And the answer, of course, is I'm in a lot of pain. It's been researched by uh, Dr. Weiss in Germany about this, where they find that if you say the word pain or words related to pain, it increases the activity of the pain processing centers, which means you're more likely to experience pain. So if you've just been listening to this podcast and you have pain, I have to apologize because I've mentioned the word pain so many times. So instead, I'd like to think about the other words. Now, this is interesting. If you talk to people who have that particular symptom, 
they find it very difficult to work out what they want without referring to pain. But what was even more fascinating was when I asked the consultants, I said, I'm going to give you 15 minutes to come up with some words of the things you want for your patient group, but you're not allowed to mention the word pain. It took them 15 minutes and they came up with this. What they want for their clients is pain relief. Now clearly that contains the word pain and so once again re-triggers the experience neurologically and physically of pain. I'd like to spend a few moments for a minute and think about what is the opposite of pain? How can we express what we want without using the P word? If you have stuff going on in your life, and most of us do, think about what you want. First step is make sure it is something that is expressed in positives, in what you want. Neurologically, this is absolutely the most significant thing you can do because your words are linked to your states and your neurology. So today we've looked at neuroplasticity. We've looked at the idea that the brain is like a muscle. The more you use it, the stronger and the more effective it becomes and that words and states are intimately linked with our neurology. And we can change our words, but we first of all have to even notice the words we're using because mostly we don't. We don't think about what we say, we just say it. So I challenge you to engage in the adventure of noticing your language. Find out what you're saying and you'll find that you're probably saying a lot of stuff that's not getting you what you want neurologically or getting what you want with other people. If you say to people, I hope you're not going to get upset when I talk about this, then you've already told them to get upset. You're working against yourself. So I like to really recognize what language you're using and start to think about how can I say this in a positive way rather than a negative way. Again, if you want the transcript of this, it's free. Send us an email, phil at philparker.org. Looking forward to connecting with you and have a great day. If you'd like to get hold of the rest of the series, you can purchase them directly from the iTunes store. Just search for Phil Parker and Essential NLP.